Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Politics Podcast. My name is Tazin, and I'm here with my duo, my co-host, Eric Guerrero, a.k.a. Salsa Plug. Go follow him on Twitter at Salsa Plug, and follow me on Twitter at Mustato Papi. Um, yeah, we're excited to be back for another episode. Um, this one's a pretty exciting one because we finally got to hear from our man, from our king, Masai Ujiri, the man that is the architect behind our championship team. Um, it was really cool to hear him talk, man. Like, even though it was like less than an hour, we're probably not going to get another press conference from this guy for another year, as he said. Um, but it was really cool to hear from him. And I think what he had to say answered a lot of our questions, but I think we also have more questions after hearing a lot of the stuff that he said. So yeah, for everybody that joined us for this episode, we're going to be pretty much giving you our thoughts on some of the things Masai said, what we thought was interesting, what does it mean when he says this and that, etc. So yeah, I'm just going to pass it off to Eric. Uh, I know Eric has a couple of points that he wants to talk about. I also do too. So I'm just going to give Eric a chance to uh, bring up the first one that he wants to talk about. So Eric, take it away, bro. Yeah, man. So I think the first topic that, that was discussed, it was the first question in the press conference. It was about his new role as executive vice chairman. And, you know, how much do, how much should we expect his role to change with this new position being given? And his answer was kind of vague. He just said something along the lines of, there are many things that we want to do, but he didn't really explain specifically how the position enables those things, like how, you know, being in that position will allow him to to execute those things at a greater capacity. But some of the examples that he mentioned about things that he'll, you know, some of the things that he wants to do and some of the things that he discussed uh, with MLSE about, you know, wanting to do in this new position and that apparently he will be able to do at a higher level is uh, he mentioned growing the business, uh, meaning the Raptors globally. Um, and growing their infrastructure as well. He mentioned practice facilities as an example. He also mentioned social justice and he, he was talking about COVID. He was talking about um, helping out um, you know, the uh, BIPOC community. Um, but I think the, the main thing that he mentioned was he said, there are going to be things that we have to deal with as an organization that will be separate from my job description as president of basketball operations. So that's probably the most direct, most straightforward uh, articulation of, of an answer to that question about how much his role is going to change. It's, it's, it's vague, but it's the best that we've got to go off of. It's, he's just essentially saying that I'm going to be able to do things like the things I just mentioned that I wouldn't be able to do, or at least I wouldn't be able to do as efficiently or at a higher, uh, as high a level of efficacy as I am now. Um, and one of the things he mentioned was he wants to focus a lot on NBA Africa, which this is something that a lot of Raptors fans knew was going to be one of the things that's, that would be a sticking point in those negotiations. So, you know, no surprises, really. Um, it's, he just mentioned a few of those things, but he stayed pretty general, pretty broad and vague about exactly how the role changes. But um, I don't think we should expect too many changes. Uh, but, you know, yeah, so these are the things he said uh, he wants to, quote, get more involved in. Uh, as, as yeah. an executive vice chairman. And on top of that, he, he thinks the position is sexy. So that's... that's <laughs> Honestly, that, that was a pretty hip uh, response from him. I mean, like, this guy is like... I think the thing with Masai, man, even when he's 70 years old, he's still going to know how to connect with the youth. It's kind of like Stan Lee, like, from Marvel. You know, like, he just knows how to connect with okay. people. And no, no, for real. Like, it, it, it's similar in the sports world. Like, you, like when Masai talks... Or, or like when Stanley comes on the screen, it's like, you, you'll you stop. Like, you'll stop to watch that. You'll stop to listen. Maybe it's a bad comparison to uh, some people, but to me, it makes sense. But anyways, <laughs> one thing that you talked about um, that I found interesting was like, 
like growing the Raptors brand globally. I thought that was a really, really cool thing that he said because look at it this way, man. America, their number one export is not you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to guess. If you were to guess what America's number one export is, it's their culture. Like you go anywhere around the yeah. world, you'll find someone wearing the New York Yankee hat. You'll find someone wearing the LA Lakers jersey, Chicago Bulls jersey, right? It's a global brand. Like Barcelona is a global brand. PSG, Real Madrid, like all these teams, like these are global brands. Um, I love the accentuation, Madrid. <laughs> I love that. That was good. <laughs> I have to, man. I have to. I'm. I'm not. I'm not North American. Like English is my fourth <laughs> language. Like I have to pronounce it properly. Muy bueno. Muy bueno. <laughs> respect. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think having the intention to grow the brand globally is something that's very doable for us because we're not an American franchise. Like we're an international franchise. Like we're from Canada. Yes, we're a Canadian franchise, I guess, in the NBA. But we have players from all over the world. I think we probably have the most international players on our teams right now, or we might have probably drafted the most international players. Um, like we also had what the most international players on our team when we won the championship. I don't know if that's a real stat or whatever or a real claim, but we'll take it because we're t- from Toronto. But anyways, um, I thought that's super dope. I think like last year, what we finished number one in Japan for jersey sales out of all NBA like teams because we had Utah. Yeah, I think that's really dope. Um, and I, ca- I can't wait to see what steps we take next to also grow the brand globally. Like, imagine, like, you know, when we go on vacation, we go to a random place in the world, we just see somebody wearing the Raptors jersey. Like, even for me now, like, when I see random people in Australia, Philippines, and these countries wear, like, those Raptors throwback jersey, the purple dinosaur, or, like, Raptors shorts, I'm just like, hey, that's sick. But I don't even know if they're basketball fans. But it's fashionable. It goes with street yeah. style. Like it just looks nice with streetwear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also like the social justice stuff, man, like I'm sure from after winning the championship in 2019, having all the attention on us, Masai going through that situation in um, Golden State at the Oracle where he got, you know, had that situation with the police officer and that, that long court issue. Then from there going into like all the, like the black injustice and then COVID hitting, then going into the bubble, right before the bubble, like a couple months prior to the whole George Floyd situation. Um, and then after going through the whole stint in the bubble, coming out and dealing with the Terrence Davis situation, which is like, it's not the same as Black Lives Matter, but like, it's still another big, big case where you have like a black athlete who's being accused of domestic violence. Right. And then we had to retain him on the team and the Raptors received so much slander from the fan base for that. Um, I, I know for sure that Masai wants to improve on a lot of different things. And I know there's a lot of things that he wants to come out and fix. And I'm glad that the position that he has now, he's finally at the helm to like maybe implement new strategies, new uh, ways of doing things and kind of steering the ship into a different direction. Yeah, no, I think, I think actually, um, I think practice facilities, upgrading the practice facilities would be great. I, but I think more generally, I think that, um, what probably is the case here with this new position is that he may have greater financial authority to approve particular projects. Cause you know how you, you were talking about how, you know, um, Raptors and, and different kinds of NBA teams and the NBA in general, they have a lot of projects that they help out in, in the community internationally, et cetera. So this could be one of those situations where, you know, if he has, you know, perhaps something like voting rights, maybe he has greater voting rights within MLSE with respect to how they distribute their profits for or influence in general initiatives. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, so that might be exactly, you know, we're just speculating here, but maybe there could be something with respect to financial, um, you know, financial autonomy, financial authority, just having a little bit more power with respect to saying where this money is going to go, because that would make a lot more sense when he says, here are all the things we want to do. All the things he mentioned cost money. And if he's mm -hmm. not specifying exactly how his position allows him to do these things at a higher level, well, then it would probably have to do with the fact that he has more of a say over where the money goes. So that's right. what I would imagine. And so, yeah, I, 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 that's the only thing I wanted to add. In on. To, to add to that, and I think that's that's like a, a really good thing that he wants to do, because look, from from the day Masai came out on to like the front office, he never asked for money or he never really spent money on players. Like you realize we never really broke the bank for players. The only players we ever broke the bank for are players that we we developed. Like we dropped the bag for Fred, we dropped the bag for Pascal, we gave Larry the bag, like DeMar got the Whereas bag. we have like, bird rights too. Exactly. So like, I think spending money on developing facilities is such a long term, it's such a huge, huge investment because like the whole Pascal situation, him not being able to train in the offseason, like imagine if the players had their own private gyms That's that a they good can point, go yeah. into, right? Like, which would uh, help everything. When we got the OVO center, which is like, mind-blowing like even just having the branding with ovo like that facility is so nice i've had a chance to visit it um a couple of years ago beautiful beautiful place like maybe want to be a baller but unfortunately i'm 510 um i can't be isaiah thomas out here like this <laughs> but um mugsy bogues. <laughs> mugsy bogues. <laughs> shout out to mugsy bogues raptors legend bro um but yeah man i think i'm just very very happy that Masai's is back um one thing that really touched me was when they asked him, so Masai, like, there wasn't really a breakdown of how long you're here for. So what does this mean? Like, how long is your contract? And he's like, forever, man. Uh, I'm here forever. And a lot of people were like, yo, he's capping. Like, no one, no one's here forever. He's, he's a front, front office executive. But tell me what you think about this. I think Masai's role or Masai's character as a president or front office executive is like, it's totally different than any other front office ex executives in the league, man. Because if you look at it, like, M Masai is, is like, an, like, if I was to describe his story with the Raptors is imagine being adopted into a family that gave you a chance, then allowed you to go somewhere else to grow, and then give you the bag to bring you back and be like, yo, you're one of ours. What do you want? What do you want to accomplish? We'll give you everything you want to accomplish. Right. He got everything he wanted in terms of uh, the front office to believe in him and building the facilities, doing this and doing that, getting a G League team, etc. We turned out to be a championship team not too long after that. Right. Like Masai came on board six years later, we won a championship six or seven years later. That's insane. And I think like for him, it, it's, it's beyond basketball, man. Like I think him realizing that like this organization is legit his family and him feeling like he has a lot of responsibility. And there's a lot more things he wants to accomplish. And especially after like how the Raptors won the championship and then we didn't get the respect that we honestly deserve. I think every champion deserves a, a great amount of respect. We didn't receive it. I think there's a bit of salt in his mouth. I think he wants to really go back, win another championship and prove a point. Be like, no, like you can't mess with us. Like we're a top tier franchise, right? Like what's the disrespect about giving us only two NBA like games like that are actually on us media this year out of 82 games we got 15 when Kawhi was here then i think we got six no i think we got eight then we got six and now we have two 
Are you kidding me? Like, we had more in 2015. After we got swept by Wizards in the first round, we got more freaking NBA national media games than we have now. So, yeah, man. Like, I, I, I can't wait for Masai to make more changes. Um, one thing uh, you mentioned about just, like, the team going through a lot during the COVID season. This was off camera. Um, tell me a little bit about the Tampa stuff because I know Masai touched a little bit on it about how like, you know, going to Tampa last year was just a really, really tough on the team. And if we have to spend another like year in another city, which is and like not playing in our home uh, city, it will set us back five years. What do you think he means by that? Um, well, I mean, there are a lot of things that you could read into that, but I think it means that you essentially just waste a year because it affects the players' mentalities in a way such that we become non-competitive. And so not only do we lose a year off of our core and a year off of their contracts, most importantly, but we lose yet another year off our core and their contracts. Um, and that's not good for their value. That's not, you know, it, there's, there, are, there are a multitude of reasons why that's problematic. But um, yeah, with respect to your broader question as to like, you know, what, 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 is, what is the effect here? Um, you know, what happened in Tampa? Uh, he didn't, I don't remember too much exactly from about what he said in the press conference, but what I do remember is that because the, the question was phrased, you know, about these, uh, it was focused on, on the tensions that were, that were created in Tampa, the stress, et cetera, and how that might've affected player, player relationships and player coach relationships. And he specifically said how it mentioned Pascal or anybody else. That's how the question was phrased. Mm -hmm. And uh, Masai went into like a long rant before addressing Pascal, but you know, eventually he just kind of came to this point where he said, look, like um, it might've been later on in the press conference, but he said, the Toronto fans are, are huge. I mean, we, a lot of the Raptors fans have said, we are probably the loudest stadium you know, the, the loudest arena out of everybody in the NBA, you know, uh, you, maybe Golden State. Wherever Warriors, we go, even when we, even when we go to Detroit, we take over that shit. I've been there. Yeah, sorry, continue. May, maybe Madison Square Garden also has a say in that, you know. That's bigger. Arena now. But regardless, the point is that he's like, you know, the fans are such a huge thing. That's one of the reasons we suffered so much in Tampa is because we didn't have them. I mean, we had people booing us, for God's sake, in that, in that situation. So, um, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly how we address, you know, whether the relationship will be better between Pascal and Nick or whatever. I think he did somewhat address it, but I'll touch upon at, it. The, at the end of the day, he's, you know, everybody's going to be in a better mind space when they're not stressed and when they feel like they're at home um, and when they're not being booed at in their own home games and they're not, you know, it, obviously frustration emerges out of losing. You know, when you lose, you start to point fingers and, and, you know, you're not doing your part. And that's probably the root of the conversation uh, that took place between Nick Nurse and Pascal Siakam that led in his disciplinary action. Um, but yeah, that's that would be uh, hopefully, you know, when we coming back to Toronto is going to fix a lot of the issues that we had in Tampa, not just with respect to team chemistry, not with just uh, with respect to team performance, but just overall how how players are able to conduct themselves in, in, a, in a more general manner. Here's the thing, man, like telling a team, like a professional team, when you have a bunch of grown men who have families, even if half of them aren't married, they still have responsibilities where they live, like telling them to pack bags and move to a whole different city to play a full season. Granted, it wasn't 82 games. It was what, 70 or 72, like is no different than trying to drive a hundred miles, a hundred kilometers on a flat tire. Like you're already going there deflated. Like you have, you don't have a lot of time to prep. A lot of our team literally lived out of the hotel that's across the street. I remember DeAndre Bembry, like him living right across the street. And one of his daily routine was 
couple hours before the game start, he would just grab a coffee downstairs and just walk over five minutes to the venue. Imagine like that being your life. Like, yeah, it's nice, but then you get tired of it. Right. So I think like all the escalation that happened between Nick Nurse and Pascal, like it's understandable, man. At the end of the day, like, yeah, it's not appropriate. You have a coach and then a professional coach and a professional player getting into it. And then apparently things were said, maybe the hands were thrown, whatever, we don't know. But the positive that I took away from it was Nick Nurse coming out and being like, you know, they're on speaking terms. They're on good terms now. Everything is good. Like Pascal is a prideful man. Like he, he, he's, he's proud of himself and he wears, you know, his heart on his sleeve and he knows that the fans were really tough on him last season and he wants to come back strong and he's going to go and work on it. And I think those kind of frustrations, bro, like it, it's given. Cause if you think about it, like when you, first of all, when you're getting booed in your home court, which is supposed to be your home, your fans are supposed to back you up, you're getting booed. So you're already going into the game playing like five on six like six on five, whatever, five on six, you're a man down because, you know, we know the crowd acts as a six man on the court. On top of that, you're losing close games. You don't even have your full team because of COVID. So it's like after in the locker room at the end of the games, are you going to talk about the schemes that you need to fix? Because maybe your schemes are perfect. They should work, but you just don't have the personnel to execute them because they're out with injuries or COVID, right? You have those situations. On top of that, you have another layer of stress. So it's either you figure out your game plan or you kind of blame yourself and be like, you know what? The game plan was perfect, but I just wasn't good enough to execute it. But the thing is what happens when your situation is just so bad that it's neither because you're playing to the best of your abilities and the schemes are perfectly fine, but things are just not going well together because there's so many setbacks that has nothing to do with basketball. And we're like the only team that had really had to do with deal with that because we weren't playing in our home court. Like, in our hometown, in our home city. We don't have our fans there. And that also kind of adds to like what Masai was talking about, how the franchise would get set back five years. I don't think he meant it from like a roster standpoint or talent standpoint. I think he was talking about like our growth standpoint as a franchise as a whole, even our profitability. Because look, that's a whole season worth of ticket sales we did not get, first of all. Second, we didn't get to do any community work. So we didn't get to develop more community in Toronto. We didn't get to interact with our fan base a lot more. Like there's a lot of, um, how do I say this? Like there's a lot of work that goes into the city and in terms of marketing and growing the game internally, like in the city that you're from that we didn't get to do. So being away again, now it's going to be two years, like, well, two seasons and a half, because we also spent the second half of the 2020 season in uh, Florida at, at Disney. So like that's two and a half seasons that we just chalk it up and we don't get to interact with our fans here and the game, it, it, everything just gets a little stale. Like it's hard to really push a fan base and keep growing it, growing it, growing it when you're absent from the home city that you're from. So I think that's why it's cool that like Masai is fighting for it. Like they've in- implemented, you know, a lot of protocols that are like in aligned with what the Blue Jays are doing, what the TFC is doing um, to bring the team back. And I think, I think there's a lot of positive signs. I don't think we've heard anything about the Raptors not playing. Everything's been towards the direction of them being at home court. I think it was so, made official yesterday. Like it was made official was kind of like quasi. I think it was made quasi official uh, oh. during that video announcement. And then I think yesterday <laughs> there was, I could be totally wrong, but I believe I saw some kind of announcement that said, you know, now it's official official. <laughs> Bro, um, I'm hyped. I'm hyped, but I'm not hyped for my wallet because we already know those tickets are going to be expensive. <laughs> Yeah, but that's bro. Okay. That Larry, that Larry game, 
there's gonna be resale. A resale yeah. for all the tickets. Like it's gonna be. Fucking, I, I don't like, really want. Game. I don't really want to see Lowry back in Toronto. Nah, to be honest, like I'm I don't just care, gonna, like, bro. You know, I'll watch. Anyways, it on bro. TV. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Um, I think one of the major major things that that people were thinking about coming into this uh, coming into this press conference was what are we doing? <laughs> you know, it seemed that during, <laughs> during the draft, it seems pretty obvious that Jalen Suggs is the pick. Kyle Lowry's leaving. You need yeah. a two-way floor general shot creator. That's what mm-hmm. you need. Jalen yeah. Suggs was that. He was the epitome of that. He was, mm-hmm. I don't think, you could be alive for maybe 20 more years, 10, let's say 10 more years. I don't think you'll find a better Kyle Lowry replacement than Jalen Suggs. He mm-hmm. was... Literally everything Kyle Lowry was, but at an earlier, you know, in his rookie year. Yeah. Not obviously not yeah. to the same level, but you get what I mean. And um, and he's six four, which means he can do things that Lowry couldn't. So he's literally he would have been a taller Lowry. So you know, um, but we decided to go the way of picking Scotty Barnes, and then we picked Delano Banton, and then we just ended up stockpiling six nine guys like they were, you know, like like candies. I, I don't really understand why we did that. So a lot of people were like, where, what, what the hell is the direction that we're going? And so the topic that we should discuss now is, you know, Masai's views on the Raptors roster in the Eastern conference and his plan for the future direction. And that's I'm exactly hyped. what was, and that's exactly what he mentioned. And so let, let's just quickly go through this. The, yeah, uh, the way that the question was, was described, he, he essentially, um, you know, it was kind of like, I believe they said something along the lines of, um, you know, you're, you're kind of worried about, you, you mentioned before, you don't ever want to be stuck in the middle. And I guess the implication there is you'd either be, you'd rather be either doing really well or doing really crap so that you can be doing really well in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the way that he answered the question was, look, we're going to create our own direction and ride our own opportunities. That's what he said. And he said, right now, our opportunities are developing and building around the young players that we have. And he mentioned young veterans, which I, that's a term I've never heard before, young veterans. I like that term though. He mentioned Pascal, Fred, OG, Boucher, Birch. He said, you know, these are, these are the core pieces that we want to build around right now. But then he also mentioned, look, we've also got these young players like Scotty, Delano, Precious, Malachi, and we want to develop them, right? So he also mentioned, most importantly, that, look, we have a good track record in going in this direction, mm-hmm. right? Like three starters, he said, three starters came from the Raptors development system. Our core came from the Raptors mm-hmm. development system, Fred, Pascal, and um, well, I guess you could say OG, although he didn't really spend any time in the 905, but um, you know, he did, he was somebody that was a bit of a project and we developed him and now look at, look at what he's doing. It was supposed to be a top five pick, bro, before he got Yeah, injured. but injury derailed that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the next thing that he said was that we're going to continue to develop players through the Raptors developmental system. And that's how we plan to win a championship. So that's essentially the the future direction that's the plan that's but he gets a little bit more specific he essentially said after developing them then we can look at other opportunities like acquisition from trades or from free agency or whatever and he finished mm-hmm. by saying look like eight years ago you know i was here and i was telling you guys that we're going to develop the players that we have and you know now i'm saying again we're going to develop the players that we have and we're going to win a championship mm-hmm. that way again 100%. So in other words, development progress will determine the future direction. That's what I just have in my notes here. I think that that is the way to summarize the direction that we're going in. Let's get these dudes and let's develop them. uh, See who is where, who goes where. Is Malika, what's Malika going to turn into? What's Scotty going to turn into? 
And then from there, you move forward. So essentially, you just trust in the Raptors development team to see what they can do, to see what they can turn these players into. And after that, then you can start start to see, you know, um, okay, who are the best players out of here? You know, who should we trade? How do we make the best team around them? So it's it's really just it's really just smart that way. Just invest in yourself, mm. and then I guess sell the sell the lowest stocks to try and trade around the higher stocks, kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. probably that that's essentially the way to summarize that idea. What I found was interesting though. Gary Trent Jr. was never mentioned once. He mentioned Scotty Delano, Precious Malachi. He mentioned Pascal Fredo, Jay Boucher, Birch. Somebody else even like mentioned this. They were like. Where's Gary Trent? He never mentioned Gary Trent Jr. once in the press conference. I don't so. think that means anything, though. It, it's a lot, man. Like, like it's yeah, it's yeah. his first time talking to the media face to face after so long. Like, he doesn't he doesn't have to mention every single player by name because, like, you know, people are gonna reach into it. I don't think like not mentioning Gary has any significance because yeah, maybe does it? Yeah, probably does. Yeah, because like, or else why would we pay him the bag? Like, we we have him for the next three years. Well, it was on a good right? contract, right? And if we believe in our development system, then it's very easy that you know we just sign him, develop him, and then trade him for somebody better, right? So yeah, you know, like sell high, like like if Gary ends up being at least like one point five better than what he is now, like we can trade that contract easily. It's not like we're moving in some Blake Griffin contract. Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, man, like, I think, yes, sorry, finish your sentence. No, uh, I was just going to say, um, you know what, it escapes me. You go ahead. No, like, that's what I was saying. I think the thing Masai likes and one thing that um, a lot of, like, people have, like, reporters also talked about him is he looks at the game very differently. And I think seeing how Golden State Warriors set the new trend of basketball, like, with their fucking coming onto the scene. And uh, I mean, they were really good in 2013 too, but in 2014, 2015, like them burying the Lob City squad and then start going on that run in 2016, um, sorry, 2015. I think like the way Masai sees it is like, yo, we're going to set the next trend and take this positionless basketball to a whole new level. Because look, guards are only getting bigger. Big men are only getting smaller and more skilled. So us going the route, like imagine if we're putting a, like five, six, nine guys on the court that can all shoot, handle the ball, and pass and defend. That's like positionless at its finest. You get a defensive stop, you're, you're going to drop a bucket on the transition because you're not going to be able to stop them. Um, I think that's actually, maybe that's... Just so interject, just a bit. I remember what I was going to say, and that, that, that just reminded me because it was exactly that. I remember him having a quote in the press conference. He said, and this is another way to summarize the direction that we're going. He mm-hmm. said, we're going big and long, something along those lines. I, I might be butchering it a bit, but that's essentially what he said, that we're just mm-hmm. stocking up on, on these bigger guys. So I, you know, maybe it's a question to discuss later, but you know, I wonder why we're doing that. I wonder, that's probably the question that's still left unanswered. I mean, is that yeah. is it just to create that you know, radical extreme switchability on the defensive end so that, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, again, this goes back to what, what Masai was saying earlier, we're going to create our own direction. We're going to ride our own opportunities. Well, what, what other direction is there but to develop guys who are elite defensively and then give them a jump shot? You know exactly. what I mean? You do, you do that and then what else? Like what the people who, so you got bigs who can play make, bigs that can score and bigs that, that you know, have, have are like, uh, just have a jump shot in general. Right, because yeah. scoring bigs are not necessarily jump shot bigs, but yeah. um, you know, so that might be the strategy there. That you know, it's it's an interesting, unique direction, and it is certainly a way to ride your own opportunities. 
to ride mm -hmm. your own opportunities might mean, look, we've got an amazing development staff. We've got an amazing development system. Well, that's something that we have that a lot of other teams don't have. So maybe we should mm -hmm. take these dudes who are major projects, but that can be elite defensively, which we saw from Scotty. We definitely saw from Delano Banton. Mm -hmm. And then you give him a jump shot and then see what happens. That's exactly what we did with OG. It's exactly what we did with Pascal. Now, and, and I guess to a degree, it's what we did with Fred. So, you know, it, it might just be that we're, you know, we, we just stack the court with six, nine guys that have a jump shot and see what happens because that is going yeah. to be pretty difficult to deal with. That's going to be a problem, man. Um, I mean, we saw how crazy it was when Golden State ran their death lineup and the worst player on the, on the court was Harrison Barnes, but he was shooting lights out from the corner three, right? And then having guys like Draymond bring the ball up and how versatile their, their offense was. But one thing I do want to touch on in regards to the roster, um, I want to talk about Precious, man, because I think it goes with what we're talking about earlier with NBA Africa. Because, like, you know how, like, you know, Masai's involvement with Basketball Beyond Borders and the whole NBA Africa project. Like, I thought the comment that he made towards Precious and the interaction that they had um, from the press conference, what we heard was really cute. I, I loved it, man. When he's like, yeah, like when I finally spoke to Precious after the deal, we got on a phone call and Precious was like, finally. And then, and then I responded with, you're mine now. And I can kind of relate to it, man. Cause like in my past experiences, like when I, when I saw someone um, in my past profession, when I saw like a student of mine, like really grow for like three, four years and then finally coming to their own. And then when I get to finally work with them and kind of like see them, see with them like at an eye level, it's, it's such a powerful moment. And I think for Masai to see Precious from like a really like young basketball player to develop into what he is now. And then us not being able to get him in the draft and then us finally getting him now kind of reminds me of like when we tried to trade for Giannis, not saying Precious is Giannis or he's anywhere close. We don't know, but is like he us trying to get, go, go for the door open. We don't know. It could we, we honestly don't know. Did we think that Giannis was going to be Giannis or Steph was going to be Steph? That's, we didn't know that. That's a good point. Right? If anything, Trey Young came into the league with more hype than Steph Curry. But Steph Curry is still unanimously significantly better than Trey Young, even at this age. But um, yeah, man, I, I thought it was super dope. And I wouldn't be surprised if like, sorry, I'm not surprised that Masai brought up the NBA Africa thing because seeing the precious success story and like seeing one of his own kind of like grow up into his system and then now being a raptor is pretty fucking crazy and it's it's cool that like there's so much homegrown uh story to this season we're finally back in toronto masai has one of his homegrown players that he grew, developed through his program we also have our very own uh, like rexdale homegrown player in delano banton and then Scotty Barnes already treating Toronto like his home, like, you know, really like taking pride in the fact that he got drafted by this city. Like, there's a lot of good energy around the team, man. We got to go to a game, man. Yeah. <laughs> we like, have to. We have to. And also, uh, you talking about the roster earlier, for the listeners, our viewers that are watching this right now, next week, we're actually going to be dropping an episode on the roster breakdown, who we think is going to be in the roster and um, what direction we think the team might go this season in terms of like, you know, midseason moves, etc. So please tune in for next episode as well. But um, yeah, man, the, but the last thing I want to talk about, uh, actually, um, the last thing that I have in my notes is Larry, greatest drafter of all time. Masai came out and said it. We've talked about it so many times on podcasts. It's like, He's undeniably greatest Raptor of all time. Masai even said it. It's it's a no-brainer. 
But what do we think he's going to get? We know he's going to get the jersey retirement for sure, for sure. He's definitely getting a statue. I think what Masai said pretty much confirmed he's definitely getting a statue. Like, if you're – like, think about this. He's talking about growing the, growing the game globally, right? Having a monument like that statue, imagine you being a 10-year-old kid who saw that championship run when you were 10, and then when you're 14 or 15, you're, you go downtown, you see the Kyle Lowry statue, you'll never forget that moment because you know you, you remember exactly when you won the championship, and that moment's going to stick with you forever. It's like imprinting it. In, like, yeah, it's in history forever, but it's like visually going to be there for us forever. I think Lowry's getting a statue, bro. Yeah, he probably is. Um, I, I don't really know if there was too much, you know, with respect to Larry that we learned from this press conference, just that, you know, it's unanimous that he's the greatest Raptor of all time, that he's going to have mm-hmm. his number retired before anybody else. This is stuff that we mm-hmm. already knew. Um, I, I think it's a good point, though, that, yeah, you know, the way that Masai spoke about, about Lowry so, you know, so intensely definitely like gets the indication. He yeah. talked about him like his son. <laughs> It definitely gives the indication that we're probably going to see a statue. And I, for this, just for the sake of it, I hope that it's, it's a statue of him, you know, taking a charge. Cause I think that's just what epitomizes what it is. Not only is just a Lowry, statue of him falling. It's, it's not only, it doesn't only epitomize what, what it is to be Lowry, but it epitomizes what it is, what it means to be a Raptor, you know, give, putting it yeah. all out there and giving everything on the defensive end, particularly, yeah. but just giving everything for the shirt until you can't, until you literally cannot give another, another breath of air more. So, I wonder yeah, what that would be. look like. I wonder what yeah. taking a charge would look like. I want to see that shit. Maybe him on the ground but, pointing up or something like that. Who knows? The one way he took in the All-Star game where he was just like pointing like this. Yeah, um, so I, that, that's what came into my mind. <laughs> so before we wrap it up, uh, anything else you want to cover? We have, we have some time left. Hmm. No, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, the major, like I said, the major things going into this press conference was what is the direction that we're going? I think we covered that, you know, the direction that mm-hmm. we're going is we're going to develop our guys the best we can and see what comes of that. And then mm-hmm. from there, we'll decide, you know, maybe we're going to make a trade. Maybe we're going to acquire from free agency, uh, you know, something like that, maybe trade for picks and then acquire from free to create cap space and then acquire from free agency. So I think that's the plan, the short term, uh, you know, uh, I guess another thing that I wanted to mention here was that, he was, he was directly asked about timeline. You know, what is the Raptors timeline? And, right. you know, reiterating what, what, what we mentioned earlier, he just essentially said it's unknown because of the development plan, right? Our timeline for right now is, you know, only as defined as, um, as, as our players progression is defined. Like, you need patience. Yeah. Man. We gotta, we gotta invest in these guys, this new core that we've got and see who goes where and what happens. And, you know, you got to remember, Masai is a scout. That is what his job is. That is what he's, you know, that's where he got his job in the He's NBA. just the greatest scout of all time, bro. <laughs> hey, man, your words. But, I mean, you know, there's definitely an argument for Who's that. better than there's him? Definitely, there's definitely an argument. He's definitely the best active scout right now. But, you know, there are a lot of good scouts out there. But Who's better than him? This guy got aggressive fast. <laughs> bro, I got to defend my guy, bro. <laughs> no, he's definitely up there. He's definitely up there. But you got to remember that he's a scout, right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. it's a good plan if you are a scout that you want to mm-hmm. develop your guys, see where they go. And then he's able to analyze, okay, well, what part of the game do we see them actually developing, right? After one year, you know, he said, OG took a leap and is going to take another leap. That's probably mm-hmm. the kind of analysis that he wants to do with each of these players. Cause there might be some guys who are like, I don't see him taking another leap. I don't see him developing a jump shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I might trade him now. I don't see him having the motivation that, that you should have because look at what happened with Philadelphia. 
right? They they said we're not we treating him like Ben Simmons, bro. We're not. Yeah, we don't care like that you're a freaking that. Fortnite Twitch streamer. We'll give you a max contract, and you can just do whatever the hell you want. Face you know up, I mean? baby. We don't care if you're part of face. That's exactly what they said, and now it's hard to move the contract because they know that there are motivation issues. So I think that's yeah. what, what's going to happen, I, and I think that was the most important thing that came out of this press conference, other than his position, his new position, and you know the direction, the future direction that the roster is taking, which we're going to release a video on uh, mm -hmm. a little bit sooner. Um, but yeah, I think I think we covered all of the main things. Yeah, and again, if if there's something that we missed, like viewers, listeners, like if there's something that we missed that you want us to like, you want our input on. Just tweet at us. Tweet at us at Hall of Takes. And, you know, you can also tweet at me on Twitter at Moscato Papi. You can always tweet at Eric at Salsa Plug. We're very active on there. We're there every day uh, talking to our community, you know, growing our community. Uh, so, yeah, follow us. Subscribe to the pod on YouTube. Follow it on um, Spotify. Come join the community. We're, we're very inclusive. All of you are welcome. And, yeah, man, I think we covered everything. All I can say is I'm excited for the future. Um, I'm very patient. I think the championship that we won in 2019, yes, I want more, but I'm okay to be patient. I, I just let's want make, our team healthy. Let's leave on that note. What are your feelings? Let's, let's each just, you know, very briefly articulate. What are your feelings about the Toronto Raptors future? I think we're on pace to win another championship in five years. You really believe that? I believe so. I think it's because if you look at the uh, template of our team now, is no different than where our team really was in 2014, 2015. Like, except we have more talent now and younger guys and the younger guys that we have, right? Before we had Kyle Lowry as our bona fide leader and we had DeMar DeRozan as our, as our star player. Now we have pretty much uh, Fred being our bona fide leader of the team, the most vocal guy that we have, Pascal being our star, right? But the thing is back then we had JV, Jonas Valachunas as our next guy who was the most talented but we have that in OG Ananobi. But then if you go down the roster back in 2015, the rest of the guys were pretty good. Like Terrence Ross, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was a lottery pick, but Terrence Ross is still just one 50-point game, and that's it. But we have so many other guys, like Gary Trent, yeah. Delano Banta, Scotty Barnes. So I think the way we're going to go is pretty much what you are saying earlier, is develop, assess every season, see where they're at. If some of these players are on really good contract and the stocks are high, you get a disgruntled uh, superstar from another team, <clears throat> Damian Lillard. You flip it. You you make you make the you make the call. It's just like how we got Kawhi. Like we're always gonna be competitive. Build a perfect nucleus and just bring in that one go-to guy when it's time for us to just press that button. I think in five years is doable. I don't think it's insane for me to think that we're gonna win another championship in five years. In 2019, I didn't think we we're gonna win until 2019 happened and we're like holy shit like we might actually win this championship i never thought i would see a championship in my lifetime right that's, that's what i think five years if not 10 years but i definitely see a championship in the future i don't yeah. think that's me being delusional it's just seeing how no, yeah. so I, I would say i pretty much agree with you i'd say that you know uh five years i wouldn't be surprised if we won another championship because you know a lot of the you know the 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 complexion of the league is going to change drastically in the next five years you've got a lot of mm -hmm. superstars i'd say maybe 70 to 80 percent of superstars right now are will kind of be at probably be out of the league in the next five years or at mm -hmm. least not be playing at a very high level um you know you're talking about lebron kd uh you know uh curry you know um but 
yeah, I think I think that you know our our future is definitely safe with Masai. I like what we're building. I think that building and you know a, a potential all defensive starting five is a really good idea. I really mm-hmm. it's a really intriguing idea. We want to go with this six nine across the floor. And the reason why I think it might work and lead to a championship is not just because I have immense faith in OG and Anobi to be one of the best players in the in, uh, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. I think he already mm-hmm. is that, but mm-hmm. he might even be the best defensive player in the NBA. Who else can guard one through five with with as much success as him? Especially you know, with I, the I team know. defense that we have. Yeah, so I I don't know I don't know if you can really give uh you know many names above him in that in that regard. So you know I've got immense faith in him. I've got immense faith in Pascal. Uh, especially after that massive shot creation leap that we saw this last season in Tampa. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a lot, strong amount of faith in, in Fred because he's probably the second best range shooter after Steph Curry <laughs> in the NBA right now. Um, you know, so if he can just, I mean, there's Dame, but you know, Oh it's... my God. Okay. I don't know how I forgot. <laughs> okay. Let's say third. Let's say third. Um, Jesus, everyone forgets about Dame, small market things that we know a lot about. Anyways, so, you know, I've got a lot, a lot of faith in those guys. And the most important thing that we're, that we're kind of missing, all this team is missing to be a championship contender like next year if we want it to be, is, is a prime shot creator. A Shea yes. Gilgis-Alexander, a Jamal Murray. These are Canadians who are going to be free agents soon and will have absolutely zero problem coming back to Canada. Do your thing, Nick Nurse. Do your thing, Nick Nurse. Do your thing, and Nick they, Nurse. And they both play for Team Canada and they'll be playing <laughs> the Nick Nurse. So Do not saying there's going to be any opportunity for tampering, but there you go. So, you know, the future's bright. Let's leave it at that. I think so too. And I would be surprised if, you know, in the next five to 10 years, a superstar actually signs with us in the free agency. Like, because, you know, you get to come to a country that will fucking give you everything. And, you know, there are some NBA players out there who want that, like who want that development, who want that next level. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been a great episode. It's probably my favorite one that we recorded so far. I mean, this is only my second one with you, but in general, it's been my favorite one so far. It's always nice just talking about our future and just listening to Masai and seeing what he has to say. Um, yeah, do you have anything else to add before we wrap it up? Exciting times, exciting times. Exciting times. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another, another episode of Holotakes. And, yeah, please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We, we, we're in this. We're in this. We're going to be doing this all throughout the season. Episode coming out every single week. Eric and I are committed to this. We're having a lot of fun with this so far. And please don't forget to follow us on Spotify as this goes on Spotify as well. And make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both Holotakes. Follow Eric at Salsa Plug. Follow me at Moscato Poppy. Tweet at us. Talk to us. Give us your takes. And feel free to DM us topics, things that you want us to talk about. Because, you know, sometimes our ideas run dry. And we love having inputs from our community. So, yeah, we're here for you. Thank you for supporting us so far. And we'll see you next time. Peace.